This is Tenacity Rules from Forbes Books. Conversations with trailblazers and groundbreakers who have inspired and encouraged ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Here's Denise Brinkmeyer. Welcome back to my conversation with Jennifer Kirchin. Jennifer has been sharing her story of suffering a stroke nearly 12 years ago and her inspiring recovery. Now, Jennifer, I know there are two types of strokes, and I'm familiar with hemorrhagic strokes. What kind did you have? So I had an ischemic stroke. So um, an ischemic stroke is like within the arteries. So it's a clot that blocks the blood flow. And later I learned that that clot was kind of shifting. Um, So I was able to talk and then I wasn't able to talk. Um, And then I was essentially just completely mute um, after I had the TPA. So I had to relearn how to talk, uh, relearn how to walk, use my hand, use my foot. Um, They did a lot of like swallowing evals to make sure that I could safely eat again. It was a tough time. It was a very trying time, but I made a decision in the ambulance that I would never give up because I didn't want my children to have to either one, go through life without a mom, or two, be in a facility for the rest of my life. Oh, right. At the age of 36, that I think most folks don't think about someone at the age of 36 having a stroke. I mean, they think of that happening to people in their 50s and 60s and older. You shared with me when we were talking, I loved hearing about your recovery itself, your your dedication to practicing. Can you can you talk about, you know, the work that you did to get your speech back, to get your motor skills back, to get your mobility back? Yeah. So Can you imagine just being trapped inside your body and you can't convey anything, you can't tell anybody anything, you can't write because your paralysis is on your your strong side, your your writing side. So I have this this story and I'm going to go back just a little bit further where I had just first had the stroke. I was given TPA and I was in the ICU. So I'm in my hospital bed and I'm just a few hours after having this stroke and my husband and I are just kind of sitting there and we're playing this guessing game of what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> because if you've ever tried to write with your left hand, it doesn't go very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were playing 20 questions basically on what I was trying to convey to him and turns out my concern at that very moment after having this massive stroke was how I was going to convey to my husband that he needed to call my boss, Lisa, and tell her to have a coworker, Jane, pick up the retirement cake for Flo, which I was supposed to pick up. I was so concerned that Flo would have her retirement cake that that was like my number one priority after having this massive stroke. So we played this guessing game and then obviously we were trying to, who, who did I want him to call? You know, those kinds of things. <laughs> but um, as far as recovery goes, you know, I started my recovery shortly after entering the hospital. I got out of the ICU, I think after about three days and onto a general 
medicine floor. And then as soon as rehab, inpatient rehab had a bed open, I transitioned to that. And so they had me up and walking, you know, within, you know, a day of having my stroke, um, just to see how much I could do. And it wasn't pretty, don't get me wrong, but, um, within you know a week i was walking around the unit um with the gate belt with pt with me and and all of that so the physical stuff came back pretty fast but after i was discharged my dexterity in my hands really were was slow to come back Um, my foot came back a lot faster than my arm and one of the assignments that I was given when I left the hospital because I was discharged over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, so there wasn't a lot for me to be able to do on an outpatient basis. So I had to do it at home. And so the um, OT at the hospital said, go get a bag of large beans, like kidney beans, lima beans, whatever, pour them in a bowl and have her try to pick them up and put them into an empty bowl. And so initially I was able to scoop them up with my hand and put them into another bowl. But within a matter of, you know, a few few weeks, I was able to use my dexterity to pinch them between my index finger and my thumb and move them over. And I, I'm an early riser, so I would always get up before my husband. And so the day that I was able to master that, I yelled and screamed and said, <laughs> come here, come here, come here, look at this. And he was like, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, watch this. And so I did it. He was like, oh my gosh, I thought something was wrong. And I was like, no, something's really right. I, I actually accomplished this task. So with that, you know, I, I did a lot of reading aloud. So my kids would listen to me read or do flashcards with me. Um, it really was reprogramming my brain and making new pathways that allowed me to speak again. You know, I, I actually, from personal experience, there's someone in my family that suffered a stroke and, and early on, that family member was told you, you have to try, you have, you, this is the time, right? You immediately after you, you can't give up, you have to work on it. And now, um, I think it's been seven years and he doesn't speak very well. And I, I know at some point, and I, I'm not trying to be critical cause I can't imagine going through what you all went through, but I just wondered what, do you ever feel or do you think people feel like nothing's going to work because the progress seems so slow or they're so frightened about what has happened to them that they just can't believe that they can get back? Absolutely. I mean, depression is real in stroke survivors. I think that the the thing that helped me, and I'm not saying this is going to help all stroke survivors, but I think that I had overcome so many obstacles in my life that I wasn't going to let this get me down. So um, in childhood, you know, I had some obstacles that I overcame. In adulthood, I had some obstacles that I overcame. And to have, you know, a great husband and great kids and a great job and a passion for life and a passion for giving back, I wasn't going to let this get me down. That's fantastic. I and and my hope was in hearing your story, you know, and and witnessing someone who 
really kind of gave up who let fear and I, depression, I think sadness, how could this have happened to me, you know, mm -hmm. get in the way of, of that commitment or it's, it's beyond commitment. Kind of like you said, it's a tenacity, a stubbornness that yep. I can't, I can't give up. I, you know, I can't let this beat me, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I just really wanted to share your story, how other than your willfulness to recover, right? You're not different than other people. They can, no. but it, it's, it's that commitment to not letting it beat you to try to get your life back that right, I was right. hoping that, you know, other folks who've survived strokes can, can take that lesson from you to, and look at you, nobody. So yeah, you said you think that people know your story, but you and I've only recently become acquainted. And so I had no idea in talking to you that you lost your speech or you lost mobility and dexterity due to a stroke. It's amazing. I'm, I'm just so impressed with you. Part of what I, I feel my journey has been about is really sharing my story. So I don't keep my story from anybody. I, I like to share my story because I think that it can help others. Because like you said earlier, at 36, you don't think that you're even capable of having a stroke. You think that that's something um, that happens to a more elder person, you know, somebody that's 70 or 80. You know, my my great grandparents when I was a kid had strokes. So I just automatically right. thought that that's something that older people have. But I've really made it my mission to educate um, pretty much anybody that will listen, whether it be, you know, just talking to somebody at a conference or having the media reach out to me. So um, when I was in Minnesota, I was approached by the Minnesota Stroke Association to do a public awareness campaign with them. And so I did some media spots with them. I did some recordings. Um, I did some television spots. I fundraised for them. And then when I was in Minnesota, I was doing a lot of stroke work. Um, I volunteered at a hospital as a peer visitor to really be an uplifting voice for stroke survivors that had strokes that were like your family member, were feeling hopeless. And um, I was there to show them what they could do with some hard work. I mean, every story is going to be different and everybody's not going to get everything back. I don't have everything back. Um, but if you looked at me and didn't know me, you would think that I would have never had a stroke. So I, I did a lot of peer volunteering. I ran a stroke group. Um, I, I did things with entities like the Minnesota Stroke Association or the Brain Injury Alliance. And so I've carried that work down here in Arizona and I'm doing some of that similar work with the Brain Injury Alliance. I was just a host for a uh, Brain Injury Alliance event and I did a media spot last year for World Stroke Day. So I, I think it's very important to not lose sight of being grateful of what you have been given. So I'm grateful that I survived my stroke. I'm grateful that 
I recognized my signs of stroke and that I got treatment and I want other people to have that shot at treatment because the TPA that I got can only be administered within three hours of your first symptom. So if you act fast and get to the hospital, you could have that TPA and have good results in recovering if you have an ischemic stroke. So like you said earlier, hemorrhagic is a little different with the brain bleed. You can't have TPA because TPA will then make that bleed worse. Um, But with the ischemic stroke, I really owe that to getting to the hospitals fast. And so there's an acronym in the stroke world that is FAST, F-A-S-T, and it stands for face, arms, speech, and time. So your face, if you have any facial drooping, um, your arm, if you have any arm weakness, uh, your S is for speech, if you're having any speech difficulties, and then T is for time to get to the hospital. It's really, really crucial to get, get to the hospital fast. I, thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important to increase awareness and education. I know with our family member that was having the stroke, they didn't want to admit it or recognize it. And um, my family mobilized. It was another family member that I identified the signs and still faced the stubbornness of the individual sure. who refused to go, who didn't want to go. And yeah. so it it took a massive effort on our side, making phone calls, immediate phone calls, called 911, call your brother, force him. To, you know, my, my son mm-hmm. said, I'm going to go over there and physically take a hold of him and make yeah. him go to the hospital. And, you know, I, from what they told me, if our family hadn't invaded his space and, you know, his decision-making that way, because, you know, with a stroke, someone's brain is impaired. So even right. their decision-making is not right. right. If, if we hadn't done that, we were told that he might not have survived, Right, probably wouldn't have survived the stroke. Yeah. And, and I know there's, as we talked about different types of strokes, and I just think increasing awareness in the community to recognize it and don't be afraid. I mean, if you go to the hospital and they say you're not having a stroke, you're having an anxiety attack. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I just wonder how much fear there is around. I, well, I know some family members say, Oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Well, I think that in addition to fear, people don't, understand the signs of stroke too. So in Mm -hmm. my facilitation of stroke groups, I have encountered so many people that have had chronic headaches throughout their life. Mm. And they have this, you know, really bad headache that's different than the chronic headaches that they've had, but they dismiss it and they think, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna sleep it off, it's gonna be better. Oh my gosh. And when they wake up, you know, they're paralyzed. Um, so a lot of what you just said is really, really important. Knowing your body, knowing that something's different, even if you have a chronic condition, knowing that something's different and you need medical treatment, having that intuitiveness about your body is really important. I agree. And I'm, I'm hoping through education and awareness that we're getting better at that. I, it, 
just even what you said, I'm going to go sleep it off. Um, my first husband's mother, I'm not a stroke, but you know, heart attacks kill women yep. easily, right? Because women mm -hmm. kind of, mm, and, and physiologically they um, don't recover as well from a heart attack. Oh, wasn't feeling well. I'm going to go to bed, sleep it yep. off. Yep. Nope. Died, died in her sleep, died from yep. a heart attack. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that, you know, with what we have access to with medical services here in the United States, why would we take chances like that? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Even if we're wrong, even if you're, you're embarrassed, sorry, you know, it's, it's heartburn. Okay. I'm not dying. That's good news. Otherwise I'm going to go to bed and die of a heart attack or, mm -hmm. or suffer a stroke and not get the help that I need to recover and gain a lot of my life back. Yeah. Jennifer, you wrote an article or you posted something on LinkedIn with the title, be an encourager. What are you hoping that people hearing this story or just in life in general with, you know, as you said, gratitude for, for what you have, what you gained, how would you like to encourage the community? Well, the, the post that I posted on LinkedIn about being an encourager kind of linked to my leadership, but I, I can't apply it to this situation because I think that being an encourager can be, you know, the everyday person. It could be a person in leadership. But what I meant by that or what I hoped people took away from that post is we should really be building people up to believe in themselves and make people better by educating them and giving them opportunities to take on new challenges with support. And I think that you can liken that to my stroke journey as well, because I have given back in giving people the opportunity to hear my story, given the opportunity to have me support them. Um, I have several stroke survivors in Minnesota that still reach out to me. We still stay in touch and support each other through our stroke anniversaries. So annually we celebrate um, being alive another year with our stroke anniversaries or the date that we had mm -hmm. our stroke. Um, so it's really important, I think, to really make sure that people are educated about whatever discipline, whether it be work or personal, and giving them opportunities to make new things happen in their lives and challenge themselves. That's fantastic. If you were talking to a person, and hopefully your story, even through this podcast, will will reach stroke survivors. If you were talking to someone who recently suffered a stroke, speaking to them directly, what would you say to them? I think my message would be simple. It, it would be, it's going to be okay. Don't give up. It's going to be challenging, but you can do it. I love that. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us and tell your story again. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Her name is Jennifer Kirchen, and that's it for another episode of Tenacity Rules. I hope you enjoyed this show. And if you did, make sure you take a second to subscribe so you automatically get my new shows when they drop. 
Also, if you have a minute, I'd love it if you left us a review so more folks like yourself can discover the show. I'll see you next time. This has been Tenacity Rules with Denise Brinkmeyer. To connect with Denise and find out how ordinary people can do extraordinary things, go to denisebrinkmeyer.com. And to find out more about Jump Technology Services, go to jumptechnology.com. Tenacity Rules is a production of Forbes Books.